Hello and welcome to another episode of the Invisible Oranges podcast. I am Invisible Oranges co-editor-in-chief and host John Rosenthal here with other co-editor-in-chief Ted Newble. Everybody, how's it going? And uh, today we are joined with a special guest host. We have Justin Taylor, otherwise known as JT Extreme. Hello all. Thanks for having me on. And uh, we have a special guest today. We have the one and only Gary Brents. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to be here with y'all. So, Gary, you have had many projects over the years. Many, 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 yeah. ranging from gore grind to post rock to new metal. Yep. Uh, <laughs> how? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, uh, I, I guess the how has definitely changed over years. Um, uh, but really, overall, time. A lot of free time. Um, uh, I, I'm pretty much just like a big kid at heart still. Like, I'm I'm, I'm basically a teenager again. I'm 35, so I'm, I'm basically a teenager again. Kind of just like, I, I don't have a whole lot of responsibility. I own a house, but like, other than that, like, you know, cats. Um, I don't have kids. Uh, so, like, music is kind of like my, my, my other kid. Or like, my yeah. Um, so time time and t- a lot of free time um and i guess like motivationally um i don't know i don't know if there's like a real answer to like why um in terms of like the motivation it's sort of just like uh, a compulsion just got to create just got to write a lot of music so like oh. you know, with, with uh sorry did anyone want to go oh yeah i was wondering um carrie when when did you start making music like what was kind of like your first like I don't know, published to the internet project. Um, yeah. Uh, so this would go back to 2004. Um, so like technically the very first thing, uh, was a black, like kind of a raw black metal project called Gastroproxima. Um, and the, like the very first release was just like a tape, uh, like a, a demo recorded onto a like consumer cassette recorder tape deck thing, uh, that my parents had from like the early nineties. Um, I can't remember, like, I, I think I just, like, let my friend rip it to his computer, and then we <laughs> we published it first to SoulSeek, uh, which is weird, because, I mean, there, you know, there was just nothing else, and our buddies were on SoulSeek, so I don't even know if it exists anywhere, because I don't have the files. Um, but yeah, 2004 uh, was, a, like, a little just black metal demo. I remember Gastroproxima's MySpace page. <laughs> yes yeah yeah we definitely yeah uh, carved ourselves into the, the the myspace scene early on for for a bit uh as long as the project was still uh alive back then but uh next after gastroproxima that was that when when sal started um let's see yes it had to be actually okay technically it was um a really really naive like post-rock kind of ambient project uh called from residence of stars and gnosis uh oh, yeah. um, which which is essentially what my email is based off of um so i've had that since 2005 um but i i wouldn't really like say that was like super public it was only on myspace so you know that was public back then but that stuff doesn't exist anymore i don't think i even have any of the music um or if i do it's buried in a hard drive um but to answer your question right after that was was sal beginning in it had to have been late 2005 and that ran for a couple years were those live bands at the time uh gastroproxima was um i think we only played like four shows in total 
before we kind of called it quits. We, we were uh, juniors in high school, and, then, and so we were just like, oh, that was fun. And then we just kind of sort of went our separate ways. Um, I, I went my solo project way, like, and then everyone else kind of was doing, like, the bands and stuff. Um, but, yeah. So Sal featured, and this is also something that follows with your many projects, yeah. uh, very intense bass playing. Yes. Yeah. So, like, when did you start playing bass? <laughs> um, let's see. That had to be 2001. Um, I was just going, uh, starting high school. Well, it was, like, right before. So, like, the summer before I started high school is when I started learning bass. Um, and my teacher was naturally a jazz bassist. So, like, that kind of informed, like, s- some of that aspect. Um uh, into like how I played and, and the, the, I guess the paths that I took and some of the inspiration, uh, that I took for bass playing. Because I remember there was that one track on, uh, Leopard a Libra, uh, Lib Rabbit. Yep. That was, that was a fun little bass solo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Essentially a bass solo over, you know, over some MIDI drums. Um, yeah, man, that takes me back for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of just like funky bass noodling going around. And I think that's still kind of present uh, to this day, obviously in a much more controlled, um, precise manner, but still uh, got a noodle on the bass every now and then. Well, because I, I think about on, you know, jumping to the present, we have yeah, Memorage, yeah. Your, your new metal project. Yep. And your, your playing <laughs> is very much informed by Fieldy in that, I feel. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so that's like, funny because like, oh yeah. Um, cause like, you know, fieldy definitely has like, that's like, you know, some of the slap and, and pop technique, more, more of the slapping. Um, and then sort of blending that with like his tone where it's like kind of distorted a bit, but you can, you can still like make out the notes. Um, and so like, I kind of wanted to channel that feel, but with a little bit of like the, the, I guess like kind of technical, uh, feel of, of bass playing that I, you know, kind of adopted earlier on. So like bringing that whole flavor into, into new metal, I guess, again, or in a different way. Well, the notes are very pronounced on the, some of the recordings yeah. for average. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I had just, I'm kind of like 99% done with, uh, the album. Um, just like waiting on like, the final, uh, some final, uh, I guess like say so's from the label. Um, they were like kind of iffy on one of the tracks. So I had to like rearrange it, but someone else that I was showing the album, um, their feedback was turn up the mids on the bass. You're doing some weird, crazy bass playing. People got to hear that. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't sure if I was being too, uh, humble about it. And that person was just like, Nope, turn it up. (laughs) <laughs> so uh you know when when that comes out hopefully that will shine through excellent yeah it's the uh, the tracks that you've sent me have been very interesting as someone who has like, been kind of <laughs> yeah. getting back into new metal like kind of behind yeah. the curve of everyone else it's like yeah, yeah. oh I, I i totally see where you're going with this and it's really cool kind of do like the stephen carpenter thing and the field right. of the corn thing at the same time but still very uh very gary-ish i guess i would say Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, man, it's been a pretty crazy ride that I've just like, 
I guess, like, jumped into, or, or you could say, like, a redirect, because, uh, like, new metal was, like, the first genre of uh, bands that I got into as a kid. And then, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone who did get into it, not everyone, but, like, kind of a lot of, lot of people into metal, uh, like, more underground forms of metal got out of it, and, and I did, like, for years. Like, I, I hadn't listened to new metal um, deeply in like 20 years and something just like flipped the switch last year last summer and obviously leading into the creation of the memorage project um and it's just like uh it's sort of like reliving it all over again uh but with like kind of the benefit of hindsight uh what was it that caused the click for new metal man um so i guess it's a couple a couple things um so like the first kind of big thing was that Woodstock uh, uh, documentary that came out last summer on Hulu. Um, watching that, I, I didn't get to go to Woodstock '99, but like I was eleven, going on twelve, so way too young for my parents to let me go to something like that. But I, you know, knew about it at the time, and I wish I could have gone. So watching that documentary just kind of uh, kickstarted these feelings. Like, man, this is like something i wish i could have experienced so like it kind of just led me on the path of rediscovering re-listening to old favorites um and then kind of on the other side of the coin uh, like social media um which you know definitely imparts some influence on people or you know t- tastes you know being thrown around um holiday kirk uh who who runs the crazy ass moments in new metal uh, history twitter um and, and instagram you know all of that um seeing that page gain traction extreme amount of traction in a short amount of time just like you could say influenced me uh definitely influenced me so so th- those two uh uh i guess parts of uh of new metal <laughs> kind of uh, got me on this path yeah, like Rio Wilkin, uh, what was just maybe hanging out for a little while. I mean, because yeah, that yeah. Uh, Holiday Kirk, it, it definitely it's it's fun. It's it's always just fun when you when you come across it. So I can definitely see how that would right. spark that. Yeah, it, it was all about like his, his uh, and I've told John this like his charisma, um, and I think that just kind of won me over. I'm sure one you know wins a lot of people over. It's just his enthusiasm about uh, the genre and not just the music, but the, the culture and and everything that surrounded it. And, and continues to surround it, I guess. Yeah. Well, of course, I'm biased about Kirk. I, uh, I co-host the uh, yeah. the New Metal Agenda podcast from time to time. Yep. I, I, I listen guy. to every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The, uh, the Ross Robinson episode, I didn't get to join in on, but that was a good one. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, so, so far, I think that one has been my favorite, only from kind of a, uh, the, a nerd aspect of, because I'm like super into production, you know, obviously uh, for many years. And so like kind of hearing his... Um, uh, insight or you know reflections of the past um, about new metal and, and about the, the first corn album and stuff was cool. Uh, so it, it's been interesting watching your musical development and kind of this whole coming full circle thing. Yeah. Because for a while, uh, your Carnier project was a, a crust kind of band, dark hardcore. Definitely. So like kind of like going through uh, just the past couple of years even has been pretty crazy. So I want I, could you highlight yeah. some of these big changes? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like really, um, yeah, like you said, kind of in the beginning of Carnair's um, trajectory and discography. You know, we we did we do did and do change a lot, um, but 
but it's especially you know in the past uh yeah two two three years uh where we made a kind of seismic shift um to like this chiptune influenced black metal ish screamo ish grindy um genre soup of um of a couple albums um honestly a lot of it it's it's sort of stemmed from what i'm what i have been experiencing with like this new metal resurgence uh nostalgia um so like video games obviously 90s video games not just the sounds but aesthetics um i just wanted to like well both both chris and i were like because i i kind of gave him the idea like man what if we did this like you know like the video game themed stuff and he was 100 percent on board and you know we kind of just kept feeding each other ideas um and then obviously that became the phase out album and we we knew from there that we wanted to continue it so there was um uh, the sequel album that came out last summer phantasmal um to to kind of uh i guess like further the the whole video game theme meets metal and punk and stuff um yeah so i guess like those are like the two biggest highlights of changes uh there's a bit of self-mythologizing with that the the carnier kind of shift yeah uh there are there's the creation of you and chris as these video game heroes yeah uh what led to that (laughs) um man okay so i guess you could say like part of that um like of, of chris's lyrics that it sort of stems from um some themes that he had written about in our early earlier part of our discography but obviously not in this grandiose video game science fictional kind of way um well still sci-fi but you know not in this like grandiose way um and he we wanted to i guess like expand upon that and use that in this video game setting so we're like well okay we have this like villain or whatever um antagonist and so we need protagonists and then you know it's going to be chris and i um so we're like well if it's in a video game setting then we need to be video game characters ourselves so to complete the uh to really hammer you know the the theme um so yeah just kind of stemmed from like I guess you could say like a short, like short stories that Chris would write about um, in our earlier part of our discography. And it just like turned into this video game uh, trajectory. It was, it was such a, such a shift too. Cause I remember when you sent me the phase out demos, <laughs> I was like, Whoa, where'd this come from? Because it was, yeah. Uh, was yeah. Actual despair that For sure. came before that. Um, like it's, yeah. It's such a oh, oh, part, part three, part four, but, part but three, you know, four, yeah, correct. I'm on that one. Yeah. I should know that, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, like to reuse a word. Still a shift. Seismic. Yeah. Um, also, um, I mean, because this is this is really fitting. Uh, another catalyst to that was um, you posting about Old Nick, and not not that we like completely hopped onto like Old Nick sound per se, but there's there's clearly a influence there. Um, you know, plinky plonky video game sounding keyboards. Although I was like, I got to go like fully into video game sounds like unmistakably. Um, but just seeing like old Nick's, um, I guess like unbridled joy of like, nah, we can have fun in this music, you know? So that was like an influence on me. on like, man, 
what if we just did this? What if we just like yield, uh, uh, leaned into the fun, like hundred percent. So like, I actually credit you, John, for like posting about uh, old Nick and, and like grindstone, uh, as like sort of, uh, you could say it was a motivator. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my hands on my heart for the people who are listening and can't see me. Yes. That's, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. That's, yeah, definitely. Wow. I was glad I was on Facebook that day and I saw you post it and I was like, what is this? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Cause old Nick definitely goes into like the, the Mark mother's bar kind of classy super. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, like, you know, it's not quite video game. I mean, you could say it's video game sounding, but like the themes aren't necessarily video games, but it has that video game, like, um, childlike wonder to it, you know? Well, and, and so does the, the, the new Carnier material as well. It's just, uh, it, it yeah. comes from a different place. It's, it's, it's yes. refreshing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we just kind of went into it like, man, let's just, uh, let's get weird with it. And then most importantly, have fun with it. Well, I, I think that's where a lot of bands kind of lose or like fall off because they aren't having fun, you know, and yeah. you can definitely hear the right. fun in, in what you make. Thanks. I, yeah, I tried, tried to, uh, you know, even in the new metal, which, which I guess inherently is supposed to be kind of a fun sort of silly genre, or at least it, 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 it ended up that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with, uh, stepping back to car in a year. So yeah. what, what first got you into crust? Cause I know you're a big his hero is gone fan. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it kind of was, all stemming from like uh, back in like kind of the mid to late uh, 2000s, maybe like 2007 to like 2011, I was just super getting into crust at that time. Like it had always been on my mind and just surface surface level stuff. But, you know, during that era, like blog spots were incredibly huge and gaining steam um, in terms of sharing music, um, you know, a lot of times free downloads. But even then, sometimes, you know, not necessarily free downloads, but links to the Bandcamp uh, pages, and uh, most importantly, write-ups on those albums or, or EPs or demos and or what have you. Um, and a lot of that went a really long way into me like absorbing crust um, and all of its kind of variants, um, like neo crust and like more melodic uh, forms of it, black and crust, of course. Um, so I would highly credit like that blogspot era of me getting deep into it. Um, I guess like, cause also it's, you know, essentially a more s- sort of extreme version of punk, um, you know, but with like metallic influences and, and, you know, the production a lot grimier. So that really spoke to me. Yeah, I definitely, I credit the blogspot era for like me developing my taste as well in the sense that I don't have nice. taste. I just like everything. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah same same uh we're, we're sponges you know it's like oh i that catches my fancy i'm into that now or i want to get deeper into that yeah you know what were do you remember any of the blogs that you used to frequent i mean they're all gone now but yeah um man um uh obviously uh pervert the church uh, that was a great one. Oh man you know Rick brandon yeah. uh always m- miss you and love you brandon always um and I didn't know Brandon at the time. I just knew that blogspot, and, and I learned that it was his blogspot years down the road. I was like, "No way, that was your blogspot!" But um, yeah, that was a big one. Um, gosh, there was this other one, kind of very similar. It was pretty much just all 
crust, hardcore punk, power violence, and grind. I I can't remember if it was like Toxic Breed Funhouse. It had a weird name. It was like Toxic something. Yes, um, I remember this one. Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I think it was that one. Um, but that one was a cool one that I I had all these like bookmarked, you know, on like Chrome or Firefox. Um, and then, man, I'm trying to remember some other ones. There was like a cool like post rock kind of post metal sludge uh, one like that that music centric really just limited to those kind of genres. And that was huge. I remember finding it on after the postrock.com, uh, which was sort oh, of yeah. its own blog spot, kind of, you know, amazing forum, uh, found a ton of stuff through there. Um, fun note, death heaven actually posted their first demo on after the postrock and they, like, you know, they weren't known yet. Uh, but that's how I found them. Um, yeah, man, I can't, I'm blanking on all these blog spots. There were so many, yeah. There was one that I always went back to and I have very fond memories of. Do you remember Blood is Truth? Yes. Okay. Now that you mention it. Yeah. I remember that one. That was how I got into like uh, bands like Woven Hand. Like that's huge for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They they had, they had a lot of cool, just, you know, it's kind of experimental stuff. It's stuff, you know, off the beaten path. And that was, was, was like really cool to just like mine through their blog and find cool stuff like that yeah yeah i mean the blogspot era you know ever since i mean ever since Bandcamp picked up there's really yeah. like there's still blogs that curate band camps but for the most part yeah like it's a bygone era that's gone it's sad man because like i really miss that era um wh- whether there were download links or not like it was just a cool way to discover uh because you got the album cover and then, you know, especially if there was a little blurb about that album or that release, um, that that went a long way, like for me and I'm sure for many others. Uh, so now, I mean, you, you like you said, you're a sponge. Yeah. How do you discover new music now? That's a great question. Um, so it's kind of I mean, we're very like social media driven now. So like twitter sort of um just if i happen across you know someone posting um a youtube or or Bandcamp link um or even not just that just a description like words they go far for me um like yeah i guess twitter sometimes instagram but not really so much um just the way that that algorithm works um and then discord um i find a lot of stuff through there just you know, people are listening to something, not necessarily promoting it, but they're just like uh, listening to something. I'm like, oh, what is that? And then, you know, I'll just check it out. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of just like social media. It's weird. Well, not weird, but a, a different, different from before. Very different. I'm used to like forums, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how we first met was on a forum, oddly enough. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I know like that we developed our friendship on MySpace, but yeah, it yeah. had to have been a, I'm pretty sure it was a forum. Yeah, back when I was at Bergtagen. <laughs> man, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That man, that takes me back. Yeah. I remember um adding you guys on on MySpace. That was fun times. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I was still living in Texas <laughs> when I started that project. You were. Yeah. Yep. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it took us as long as we did to actually meet in person. Because um, to kind of right. catch everyone up, I, I've known Gary since I was like 15, right? Yeah. I'm in, I'm in my 30s now. Yeah. And uh, we didn't meet in person until 2010. 
That's right. Yeah, I think it was like during the summer. Pretty sure. When a friend of mine and I showed up at Gary's house at like two in the morning. Yep. <laughs> driving through Texas. Need a place to stay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was a bizarre summer, but I'm really glad I went to hang out. That was where I first heard the Carnier demos from uh, Stagnant Perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember at that point I was like. Um, I was pretty close to finishing the stuff after getting after getting Chris's vocals uh, recorded, and I was like, you know, eager to 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 show it to someone, and like, you know, that was a good timing. I was like, well, I know John would like this stuff and and get a um, a feel for what we were going for. Yeah, no, I I still have those demos on a hard drive. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> Lost but, uh, relics. Yeah. Well. Oh, they are. They're relics of a bygone age. But uh, there was was quite an explosion surrounding Carnier when Stagnant Perceptions came out. Yeah. um, And and to be honest, like, we we didn't really expect that. Um, And, and, you know, to kind of, yeah, paint the picture, like, that was, um, or it came out in 2011. um, But, you know, we were writing in 2010. But obviously, you know, during, during that Blogspot era and without that era without that infrastructure um of underground music it would not have gotten the uh uh, recognition or or exposure uh that it got uh without those sites i remember cm distro was talking with you about something at one point yeah um fairly shortly after that release um yes um century media reached out and uh, we're in talks of wanting to to sign us um, uh, based after that record. And, you know, I, I, I've definitely mentioned it before, uh, or like, you know, through social media, but we kind of politely declined. Um, and I still maintain a relationship uh, with uh, oh, Stephen Cho. And oh, Steve's guy, the best. Um, yes, I uh, love Steve. He, uh, he, yeah, he was with Century Media at the time. Um, but, you know, I was like, I think like we don't necessarily want to i guess put ourselves in a in a corner i mean cor- corner is kind of a bad word but you know being on that big of a label uh in metal at least um i could kind of see the trajectory like man i don't know if like we want to have limitations because we were just always uh or well starting to like really experiment and wanting to continue to experiment and i feel like being on a label like them might have thwarted that i think i mean you know hindsight's 2020 but that was my thinking our thinking back then well and, and carnier's done pretty well over the past oh gosh how long has the project been around now almost 15 years um yeah yeah uh, i guess t- technically it was late 2008 when we started but 2009 so, was like yeah. our first actual release um so yeah yeah it's been a while but uh so following that a couple years later was uh what is it Oh gosh, remind me of the album. It's the one with the Barry Ann put it out. What's it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 p- uh, Portals to a Better Dead World. Portals to a Better Dead World. I'm surprised I forgot yeah. that fucking album title. <laughs> it, it's a it's a mouthful. <laughs> 2013. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that and that's like for me, that's like the Carnier album. I think like for, I for that time. Anyway, yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. especially um, the closing with the Melancholia sample. Like a plus work. Yes. Oh man, thank thank you. That that's funny because that was um that was right around the time when I first got Netflix and I straight up just ripped that audio uh, on my computer um, 
from Netflix because I mean that movie used to be on it. I don't well, I don't know if it is now, but I was like, man, this movie's awesome. That quote is perfect. And I was like, Chris, what do you think about just inserting that sample at the end of the record? He's like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's a very interesting album. I remember you telling me some stuff about how you got the tone for that record because you said you were mirroring yeah. Page Ninety Nine and Tragedy. Yeah. Um, so what's funny is at that time I was, um, getting much deeper into production, um, DIY recording and stuff. And, uh, there was this like method of, um, EQ matching of like guitar tone, guitar tones on, on finished published albums, uh, or, or, you know, songs or whatever. And, it's a crazy like technique where or method where you had to find an isolated guitar part on a published piece of music, any music. And it just has to be the guitar playing by itself. And you have to learn the riff and you have to play it and record yourself playing that riff um, plugged in directly, like clean. And then this like program EQ matches um, your recording with the finished recording of whatever you're, trying to emulate and it matches the eq of that so yeah there was like the an isolated part on i can't remember which page 99 song it is but it's just like a little guitar break of chords playing and i just had to like figure out the chords um on document eight and that's the left side of the guitars on portals um i i did like put a little bit of my own eq on it so it's not like a hundred percent you know and, and of course, other factors of everything else in the mix can make it uh, be perceived differently uh, than page ninety nine sound. And then the right, the, the right side actually was uh, enslaved. Um, Isa. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Great. I can't pick. remember which. Yeah, I can't remember which song it was on that album. But there's there was a couple parts of isolated guitar, and it's funny because like I was just going through different albums, like man, what would be a great. Um, complimentary guitar tone to go with page 99 not that like you know enslaved makes any sense with page 99 but guitar tone wise you know i was like this is actually really cool and i we rolled with it <laughs> it's cool that you mentioned isa because um it was actually you that got me into that album Eons, oh wow was it like a wow AOL okay. messenger you told me to listen to neo genesis yeah okay okay uh, man that was a long time ago yeah Great. I love that. High school listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, holds up very strongly to this day. It does. It's very of its time. It's very much like a The Matrix yeah. kind of album. But right. man, is it good. Right. Like, it's super underrated in Enslaved's discography. Would you I say agree. that was your favorite Enslaved album? I, I was gonna. I was about to, to respond with that. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, have you heard the latest album? I feel like they're kind of going back to that sound. Man, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned it because I I haven't yet. Um, you know what? I'm gonna put that on. Is it? It's out. Like completely out. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna put that on tomorrow. <laughs> cool. Well, so what was it? What was it about mixing these two sounds that first inspired you? Because I mean, it is very much like a black metal album and very much a screamo album and a dark hardcore album and all those things. Yeah. Um, Man, I think it was just kind of like at that point in time of like uh, me making music uh, with, with Chris, 
I just wanted to like capture the feeling of, of all of that, all of the above, um, and sort of glue it together. And you could say that it was sort of a product of the Blogspot era because my mind was, you know, going back to that sponge thing, I was soaking up so much stuff. Um, I, I mean, I had, you know, already been into black metal for, for several years at, the, at that time. Um, but I was like diving much deeper into, you know, like crust and, and, um, and screamo, like more underground, um, uh, bands of that. And I was just like, wow, this kind of like the passion of that mixed with like the ferocity of like crust and, and the, the energy and then sort of the, uh, I guess like the darkness of, you know, like black metal. Um, I just wanted to capture it kind of in a bottle and, you know, hopefully we, we displayed that in a way that was like palatable, um, on, on portals, especially. Yeah. And, uh, you definitely developed the hardcore side a little more on perpetual despair, which I liked. Yeah. Um, and it kind of took you into the present where you now have the, the digital hardcore kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That's funny how things work like that. It's just like, like a, a path and, you know, you're taking all these different roads and it leads you to so many different, uh, different destinations. Makes me think of Jorge Luis Borges's um, Garden of the Forking Paths. Have you read that story? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that totally. Yeah. I leave to many futures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I totally resonate with that. That's super cool. Yeah. No, it, it, it's like I said, it's really been a delight watching you develop as a musician because you, you are you already very talented in the beginning with, with everything you were doing with Sal and with Parabstruce and you know, it's, yeah. but like seeing, seeing where you are now and how much you enjoy what you do. It's, it's very inspiring. Thank you. Oh man, that, that means a, a lot. Um, I, I hope to inspire, you know, and then like really just at the end of the day, it's, it's, um, it's about having fun and then pushing boundaries. Like, you know, no, don't, don't play it safe. Always explore, always, uh, feed into that, uh, that feeling of wanting to explore. And that's kind of just been my motto. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Gone Mage because you've been very prolific oh, yeah. with that project as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and and that kind of uh, circles circles back to the the seismic shifts uh, of Carnair. Um, so so Gone Mage directly was born from the phase out uh, video game uh, theme and aesthetic. Um, and I guess like the the feeling that I had there when I started that was like. I knew that Carnair will always explore. We will always change. And I was like, but I don't want to let go of what we just did. Like, you know, like I just wanted to continue that, you know, in a different uh, project to, to keep that sound um, alive, I guess you should, or I could say. Um, and of course, since then, Gone Mage has, has been very exploratory in its own ways, um, but still keeps the like video game aesthetic, the, video game sounds, you know, very much alive in the project. Well, and you also explore video game, I feel like kind of hometown music with uh, Levmir, your project with your partner. Right, yeah, yeah. I wonder if you can go a little more into that project. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, gl glad that you asked. Um, yeah, so Andrea, uh, her, that, that's essentially kind of her brainchild, her idea, 100%. Um, and I'm sort of the, my role is just like the, the music instrument vehicle for for her um creation there and then i guess like 
you could say it's very uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit uh, inspired, but with like bipedal animals, you know, like you had a raccoon and, and badger and then um, some cats. And they're, they're, you could say, sort of playing the role of like The Hobbit uh, characters, um, but it's its own story. They're going on a journey. Um, and, you know, musically speaking, yeah, kind of you could say goes into a bit of the comfy synth, but not like a hundred percent really. That's sort of like a supporting uh, style or genre of the project. Cause it's like these folk instruments carrying throughout the whole thing. Um, like some mandolin and stuff like that. Oh, it's, it's still, it's, I don't want to dimin- make it diminutive sound by saying it's cute, but I, I, yeah. I really oh, yeah. enjoy the, <laughs> like the childlike wonder of it, you know? Yeah. Um, no, you're, you're spot on. Um, that's, uh, I would say a hundred percent of what we wanted to achieve. Like if you're listening to it, it's not angry. It's not, uh, and you know, it's not aggressive. Um, cute, cute as a word, comfy, you know, you, you want to sit down with like a big old mug of tea or coffee or, you know, something warm and listen to it. It's short, you know, it's like, uh, I think it's like nine minutes. Um, so it's just like a little, something you want to listen to before you start your work day, perhaps, uh, in a calm way. <laughs> I've definitely done just that. Nice. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what's funny is, um, uh, your project cherry cordial was sort of a catalyst for us wanting to do it. Um, oh, what? just seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just seeing you, uh, cultivate that sound and aesthetic was like, wow, he's on to something like, this is fun, you know? Uh, fun, fun in its own way. And um, so, yeah, there, there's another uh, uh, John Rosenthal uh, in, influential moment on, on me. Oh, gosh. You're making my head big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, this is starting to be a conflict of interest. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interviewing you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, conflict of interest. Shit, I've been on Carnier Records multiple yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, we, we don't really. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've sort of seen you as like a. We accept John from that rule. Otherwise, we can't cover anything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've sort of seen you as like honorary uh, uh, third member. You know, you know, oh, over, the, over the whole discography. Yeah. Oh man, oh, I didn't. I didn't start doing anything until Perpetual Despair. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but you know. You, you were there even, you know, I guess behind the scenes, you know, obviously, like like we mentioned, I'd show you stuff um, ahead of time, you know, just to mm-hmm. sort of get you in the loop or, you know, be ahead of everyone listening to it. Yeah, but gosh, you know, it's it's funny, you know, there, there are Carnier releases I forgot I've been on. <laughs> you know, the split with Fleshborn. Yeah. Oh, man, that is a big one. Um, definitely sort of uh, one of the underrated um releases i think of the discography not not a whole lot of people have have checked it out i think I, at least like now like definitely back during its time of release it was um more popular well and that was more of a local split for you because uh flashboard yeah. was, was based out of denton yeah yeah that's right um been been friends with um uh the members of flashborn um all, uh, since that or before then even like for at least a few years um had gone to their shows and known them and and other various projects because they're like very busy um all the members have other bands and they shift roles a lot um and yeah flushborn was just kind of like wow we should do a split and 
we just made it happen. Yeah, I, I held on to. I got rid of my records. I don't know if I told you this or not, but I, oh, I yeah. held on to my copy of that one that, that I found at Reckless Records just down the street. Nice. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that didn't even have a lot of um, copies pressed, but yeah, that's man, that's cool. It's always fun when you find a record you're on in the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine. That's fun. Have Have you ever come across any Carnia records in a store when you've gone to one? Um. I'm trying to think. I feel like I had actually, no, I hadn't personally, but a friend, um, I think this was back in maybe 2015 or 16. Uh, she came across portals in like a local Dallas record store. And I was like, what really? She's like, yeah. And she, she just took a picture. So vicariously I had come across. Yeah. I've, I've come across some Carnier records in my day. Nice. It's, it's always nice to see. <laughs> man that's awesome oh she she actually came across um uh the bunrage uh footpaths vinyl split uh wow. at the, like, yeah i don't i don't even know what store it was it might not even be around but um yeah i remember she took a picture of both and she was like these are both of yours i was like uh yeah crazy yeah that's that's a throwback the bunrage that, wow so uh definitely some background information footpaths was my is it's back again my solo project yeah. and gary yeah. and i did a split together in like 2010 or 2009 yeah and uh, it came out on vinyl Sounds a couple like years later right took a bit took a little bit to to get press or to get released but it was awesome uh that that was uh i think my first appearance on vinyl I don't know if that came, Might if as came well. out after Portals, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it came out before Portals, uh, the, the vinyl. So, yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. was my first. Yeah, uh, gosh, it's it's so fun to think about that release. Uh, and think about Bunrage yeah. especially. Was that like your first foray into making cuter music? Yeah. Oh, man, that's so funny because, like, I, I think about it pretty, pretty often. Like, it was... Um, it was a kind of brave, uh, unexpected turn. Cause I was like, you know, yeah, 2009, 2010, that very specific time I was like delving really, really deep in like indie pop and stuff like that. Um, electronic pop. And I was, you know, like, like we've said, I'm a sponge. So I wanted to, to write stuff like that. Um, and yeah, yeah, that was kind of my first, first uh, foray into yeah definitely cuter cuter music little buzzy beats and stuff because I, I still have my bun palette cd um you gave me copy number oh. one of ten yep i remember yeah that's awesome uh, oh gosh now i'm all nostalgic because i was i was still in college <laughs> at the time even oh that, yeah okay i was that was a while back yeah, oh my goodness um do you still find yourself I, I realize that there's still post rock in in Carnier now but do you still find yeah. yourself experimenting with post rock as, as its own thing um that's a good question I as of right now I don't necessarily have the uh, the motivation or desire to but I will say that the door is not closed in that regard like I I, I could be I could be moved to 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 go that route at some point again. Because you've always been so good at post rock, even like uh, in a full band setting, like they mostly come out at night. I still have that yeah. demo on my computer. That, that's a fun listen. Oh hell yeah, yeah that. Um, and so I guess yeah yeah for people listening, like that that band was kind of um, 
a really special uh, outcome of like seven people. And it had a bit of a revolving door of members over, I don't remember how many years. Um, I think maybe 2009 or eight was when we started. Uh, actually, technically it started before I joined, but that's when I joined. Uh, had to be like late 2008. Um, but yeah, that was like a post-rock kind of atmospheric sludge-ish, you know, like neurosis influence, ISIS influence. Um, but at the time, in its beginning, it was it was instrumental. Um, then we did add vocals like in our uh, reformation, brief reformation in 2015. That's right. You brought the band back. I forgot about that. Yeah. Did you ever um, end up doing anything? Oh, uh, we, we did do an EP that's right and 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 in an, a full length um a year how did apart. I miss that oh my goodness I need Man. to go back and listen to those it's been a while <laughs> they were fun they were I you know what I could say that those might be the two single most uh, underrated uh releases in 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 my discography that, that I've been a part of um I think we just didn't really like promote it that well we we were playing shows lo- locally, um, but in terms of like web presence, it just wasn't as big as a push as like other things I was involved with or, or other things that the other members were involved with. Um, but it's, I think they were really cool releases. Um, so like, yeah, you know, if you're into kind of like early to mid ISIS with a little bit more um, prettiness uh, into it, I think people would, would enjoy that. Yeah, once we're done with this, I'm probably going to revisit that EP in full length because it has been a while. And for some odd reason, I only remembered the demo from like 2009 or 2010. Yeah, and, and that definitely was like the the initial spirit of that project for, you know, for, for many years, for sure. I think if we ever reformed, it probably would be like that, uh, that first demo. Although, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the other members would bring to the table in terms of you know, changes of influences over the years, but it, it would be interesting. I, I probably would be down to reform at some point. That's cool to hear. It, it's nice to hear, you know, like, you know, cause some bands end and it's just like, everyone hates That's each it. other, but right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of a, a lot of circumstantial stuff. Um, a little bit of like demotivation from, from some or a couple members uh, during its iterations of uh, existence and then just people moving like, you know, moving to other parts of their life uh in in music or not music yeah it's it's always a sad story when that happens to a good band yeah but you know i'm glad that you guys reformed i'm glad you were able to make new music together and even more yeah and uh it sounds like it was still a positive experience yeah yeah definitely um it was cool because you know actually i could think of this as sort of um kind of a launching point for me personally because when we did reform uh, we decided to bring in vocals and I sort of volunteered to challenge myself to, to sing, um, clean and harsh. And like, I had obviously done like backing harsh vocals, uh, in Carnair and a little bit of clean singing in, in, in Bunrage. Um, but with this, uh, setting, it was like, I'm the lead vocalist and, and bass player. So it was like, whoa, this is like a totally different, um, management of of a role for me and in terms of like writing and doing it live um so it was like a nice challenge uh for me to kind of jump the hurdle um in that regard and that i guess i kind of led to 
uh, the courage to do more um, uh, singing, you know, in God Mage and 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 now in Memorage, where like I completely almost learned a new vocal uh, style. It feels like in Memorage, there's like four different vocal styles going at once. So <laughs> I, I feel like you re I, I feel like you learned a whole different like several languages yeah. in one. Oh man, thank thank you. Um, that that's probably the biggest compliment because like it's a challenge um, to do vocals, uh, especially like a lot of different kinds in in one song or one project. Um, and like it, it's just all about pushing myself and trying to like uh, get the best that I can get out of myself. And, and it's funny that you say that it sounds like that because I was just like, as I record for that project um, or recorded. I would do so many takes and I'd play it back and be like, no, that's not angry enough. Do it again. Do it again. And I, I kind of shredded my throat um, doing that, but, you know, worth it. So throaty. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there is also home skin, which we haven't talked about yet. So right. uh, home skin, yeah. we've, we've covered a few times at Invisible Oranges, but it's a very yeah. uh, varied project, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Um, th that man, it, it almost feels like a fever dream to me. Um, cause I, I started it, uh, November, 2021, uh, in a very spontaneous way. I didn't really have any, uh, predetermined, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm about to start a new project. I just, it just started, uh, like one night and I was like, Oh, this is, this is a new thing. This is too dark for God mage. This is, um, its own thing. Um, and then uh, 17 releases later, uh, splits, singles, full lengths, EPs, all of, all of that, you know, 17 pieces of music later and I ended it. But I, I knew that I wanted to um, have a specific amount of releases for that project. And, and like you said, go through a varied sound. Yeah, because it was the first album that we debuted that was with the nine track kind of 10 yep. minute album. Yeah. Yeah, super short. Yep. Yeah. That was that was fun. That was that was really unexpected when you sent me that because like I obviously I've always known you to be a screamo fan, but it was sure, like yeah. oh you made a screamo album last night. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy to think about that project. Um, and, and as you said, yeah, like last night, uh, a lot of actually all of the releases were made in a very very short amount of time. And the, the kind of thought process behind that was um, exploring a completely different way of writing music uh, for me was just like, can I do this? It was like a challenge. Like, can I make this album in one day or four days or five? I think five days or six days was maybe the max that I spent because um, I just didn't want like a long, um, I guess, gestation period of like ruminating. And, you know, I had done that with with Carnair and 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 Gone Mage at that time or you know up until that time um and other projects in the past but this was like a completely different approach and I just wanted to I guess experience that just like 100% spontaneity and then publish it just put it out there and, and it's it's cool because like so many people I feel like with the advent of public production uh mm. think too much that, yeah yeah for sure and i i mean i know like you know in the past before the internet before social media like 
a, re- a music release cycle is a is an ordeal. I mean, it obviously still is and can be, but it's like a lot went into it, and there was a lot of time in between writing, recording, and releasing. And you know, in recent years, um, with, especially with like DIY recording production, you can compound that time like extremely, you know, <laughs> to a short amount of time if you want to. Well, and it, it works to your advantage because you have 17 releases in what was it, two years? Um, yeah, uh, uh, 15 months to be exact. Yeah. Holy crap. That is more than a release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, some were multiple per month. Um, I, I think I, I can't remember, but the, there might've been only like a month in between at, at best in between like any given, uh, release, maybe, maybe two months. Wow. That's, <laughs> I, I think about how long it takes for me to make anything and that's just, like beyond comprehension for me. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be fair, a lot of it um, stemmed from the beginning. So like I would set like a foundation. And I know like like you said, the project did go through different sounds. But like I would stem from the very first EP for that project. I had kind of just everything that I wanted um, a certain way for it to sound like. And I was like, OK, I'm just going to keep all these settings and only modify it a little bit after every time. So I'd just be I'd just be ready to record and write simultaneously and not worry about production much, like that much. Like it's already like done. So I'm just like writing into a finished uh, production and you just put like a little bit of changes at the end, um, mainly with like guitars and like drum EQ and stuff like that and, and a little bit on the vocals. So it's just like always ready to go. And uh, you, you saw this coming. I'm going to ask about it. Yeah. Tell us about Sugar Highlands. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. So this this is definitely maybe the deepest cut um, of my music. So this project was born right after or well, kind of during um, Sal. So this was, I think, late 2005 or, or possibly early 2006. So this project was me and Chris Francis of Carnair before we started that um and it was essentially created on myspace uh i was searching for other grind bands metal bands experimental extreme music bands projects on myspace um which by the way had an excellent search function for finding that kind of stuff you don't see that nowadays really i mean not that i know of so you could just find someone whether they were a music page or, or um, their their personal page on MySpace through search results, you could be like, what is this? What are they into? Like, you just type a list of bands and you'd find people that way. And that's actually how I found a lot of connections was just people into the same stuff that I was into or getting into. So I found Chris that way. And I was like, wow, this guy lives like in the next town over. And I contacted him and we became uh, fast friends, you know, like-minded, obviously, in music, video games, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. And we created um, Sugar Highlands. And I guess I should actually back up. He he had a, pr- a solo project as well called Synthetic Onslaught. And I was like, this is a cool name. And um, not that long after, we started Sugar Highlands. And the concept for it was pretty weird um, and probably would still be pretty weird if we like resurrected it in, in its own way. But essentially we were like heavily inspired by like post rock, but, and, and also grind. 
uh, and like a little bit of death metal and um, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Like those things usually don't work that great together. And, you know, it was kind of naive of a project, um, super ambitious, but super fun. Um, I think the only things that we had existed on MySpace, though, and I wish I could find the files because um, it'd be fun to revisit. But you, you could say that uh, experiment, maybe, led to Carnair. Interesting. Like, I forgot that was your first band with Chris. Like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, man. Um, yeah. He, we, we still talk about it every, every now and then. Um, and we had like, uh, gosh, yeah, probably four songs, maybe, if that wild yeah i i remember that myspace page i remember sitting uh when, when i first moved back from texas we were living in a condo okay and uh that we were borrowing from some family friends because my dad didn't have a job and uh i remember you sending me that and me sitting entranced at my mom's <laughs> laptop because i didn't have my own computer at the time. yeah uh, it was like that and listening to like leslie jones noir stuff <laughs> oh <laughs> nice okay yeah that's pretty cool yeah man what a time um you know sending someone your myspace myspace music page and myspace music lasted for a little while too i remember having myspaces in yeah. like 2010 me too yeah yeah i i held on um you know until the end what, whatever they did with all that i guess deleted all the music and stuff yeah they did it's all gone yeah yep Sad i should have backed times. up some of that stuff <laughs> just years worth of music gone gone completely yeah i i know some people like backed it up onto maybe internet archive i, I might be mistaken but yeah but still it's it, it if they did back it up it was like random pages and they don't always have the streaming yeah music and... yeah right yeah bygone era so when are we gonna do another split gary <laughs> Oh man, um, I'm down. Uh, I mean, you know, pretty pretty obvious. I'm I'm always uh, uh, on the go uh, in terms of writing. Um, whatever you want to throw at me or present in in uh, in either like a genre or, or a series of genres or, or a theme, I'm down. Cool. I'll keep that in mind. I've been trying to be more active yeah. lately. You'll be okay. Cool. Fine. You have a lot of time to do things. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, oh, that, that kind of ties in with uh, early, early Carnair discography. I was, I was unemployed um, those years, so you know, writing music. Yeah. Uh, time, time, time. Like you said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, gosh, um, so what do you have coming up? Obviously, there's Memorage. Are you working on anything else? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that that's coming out in the summer. I don't have a date just yet, but aiming for maybe mid June or mid July. Um, you know, uh, hoping to figure that out pretty soon, like next week, two weeks maybe. Um, other other than that, I do have um, an album called Perfumed Saturnine Angels, uh, or that's the project name. And um, originally, that project was essentially created um, by Brandon Nurek. Um, he presented the idea to me, uh, around this time last year, maybe a little earlier. He just wanted to make like a screamo album, um, with me, um, like doing the music and he would be doing the vocals. Um, and, you know, unfortunately he, he passed away, um, as we know, 
Um, so he, he did not get a chance to record vocals for this album, but, uh, I had a friend, Dave Norman, who runs, uh, Zegama Beach Records, uh, up in Canada, uh, or co-ran co in Chicago and Canada, um, do the vocals, um, and, and the lyrics in, in, in the spirit of what Brandon wanted to do. Um, and, uh, I, I think that he, that Dave did a really good job, um, uh, I, Ivan uh, Belsic also does lead vocals on one of the songs. Um, track three will be uh, on that album. Um, I do a little bit of backing vocals, but pretty much me, the instruments was my primary role. So that that's coming out on Zegama Beach. Uh, we don't have a date for that either. It might be May. Um, just not sure yet. Uh, we have some tapes coming out for that. And then um, those two are kind of the big ones this year third one is kind of up in the air is the next gone mage album uh this one's going to be called astral corridors and this one uh you could say is outside of the first three albums in sound and uh theme a little bit i mean it kind of follows still the video game trajectory just in its own way um but sound wise it's much more like the uh, master of disgust ep the the wario themed kind of oh yeah chiptune chiptune war metal as i uh uh dubbed it um kind of in that more in that heavier side of things um i don't know when that's gonna come out i'm hoping this year uh i'm about done with like uh finalizing the mix for it um and just kind of figuring out what to do uh release wise so maybe maybe sometime later this year uh, so okay, are you gonna have any are you gonna have any Oh, are you going to have any video uh, coming out with Gone Mage? Because I really enjoyed your Penny Hardaway and, uh, and the, oh, the Hood uh, video oh. that you did. And I, I think I just like, I feel like I like, uh, it's really uh, very fun to see, you know, just the artwork and persona that you do for every project. So uh, I just kind of wanted to know if you had anything plans like that for Memorage or um, Gone Mage. Oh, man, JT, that is an amazing uh question to bring up because yeah uh, and I've, I've said this before you were the main inspiration for me uh having the courage to do a video uh that i like that i did for gone mage um so good probably like, yes it's great yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I am sure that i will do more um not sure when but there will there will be more of that uh silliness for sure it's infectious it's it's impossible to resist uh, yeah <laughs> and it, yeah thank you thank you um and, and you know that kind of goes back into having fun um because that's just like you know the best thing about um, um art you know just having fun with it or, or you know it's cathartic you know you, it's moving you in some way uh for the for those who don't know uh, Justin. Uh, Justin has done many wonderful dancing videos <laughs> and yes. dancing review videos for metal albums. Um, absolutely amazing. And, uh, they, they are wonderful. Uh, they bring joy to me and to the bands that he, uh, he, he hypes. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to put it. It's just his hyping uh, love I, for uh, a, a recent release. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it is a treat of the internet to, to, to <laughs> every time you, that you, that you post one and it's just like, Oh, my day is now better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I hear that. Uh, yeah. Justin, when, uh, when I sent doldrum your dance video, they, they said it was the best <laughs> reaction they'd ever had to their album. <laughs> that was, that was one of my favorite ones. Yeah. 
and yeah, we, we have message on, on Instagram where you connected us and there it's it just, and, uh, and that, yeah, you know, you have that bond with the band. So it, yeah, it's right. It's, it's so fun. It's fun. It's fun as hell. Love it. I wish I could <laughs> dance like that. <laughs> just go for it. Don't, don't even care. Just go for it. Yeah, you think, well, think, <laughs> just, send me, just send me the moves and I'll, I'll edit it and we'll, we'll, we'll fix it in post. It'll be great. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Impromptu. Uh, yeah, no, those, those are very fun. I, I, it all goes back to like, like you were saying, it all goes back to having fun and, and right. enjoying what you listen to and enjoying what you do. And there isn't enough of that right now. I think. I, I yeah. Think people are starting um, to have fun, sad. but yeah, I, I think, uh, it, it'll get there. I think it'll get there. Um, cause you know, like, there, there's a little bit of um you know like escapism to it um like like i you know like i was just saying like oh my day's not better you know because someone else had fun with, with something that they enjoyed and and i enjoy and others enjoy so it's just like it's like um and the enrichment of life you know <laughs> day-to-day stuff uh, real quick on the fun part though that the, in your promo uh photos for memorage and just kind of the the garb and new, and new metal uh attire that you have can you can you tell us how much adidas you already uh owned prior to uh uh to memorage and uh kind of just the wardrobe in general yeah um that's funny. Uh, so, so I'm in it now. Uh, this Adidas jacket uh, that I'm in, I've owned since 1999. Um, so, so I was uh, uh, 11 going on 12, and I was, uh, I don't know, 7th, 8th grade, mid- middle school. Um, and it's crazy how this has lasted, like this jacket, uh, for that long. And, you know, back then, I didn't necessarily buy it because Korn was wearing Adidas, although they were my first favorite band uh, at that time. I just bought it because of you know, I thought it was cool and it was a windbreaker and and I didn't own one but you know it kind of turned into like it's it's my new metal jacket uh, or attire um but I guess yeah other than that um I had I have had some other adidas uh wear uh along the years but I'm pretty sure like I donated all of it I always kept this jacket though because it's just always been cool obviously it was super huge on me as a kid and I've grown yeah. into it um and then uh but yeah uh all all of the stuff that i i acquired uh or perhaps even reacquired for like the memorage promo photos because a lot of it's just like shirts um that i used to have as a kid and then donated or as a teen early teen or stuff that i wanted back then and didn't have because my friends had it and we always had a dumb rule we're like oh you've got this mud vein shirt i guess i can't have that we can't have the same shirt uh but now who cares like i'm buying all that stuff rebuying all that stuff so fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's pretty great you know the the drip is strong with the memorage promo photos thanks yeah um i'm uh, 100% there, there, you know, there, there will be more. There will be more uh, coming from that front. Um, just got to figure out more, more garb to introduce, more creative, funny ways to to capture that feeling. Well, because you, you definitely capture that that uh, that late '90s, early 2000s. Like I, I brought up the Matrix, like totally that kind yeah. of like right. And that's like that, that movie is so new metal. Vibe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that's funny because uh, the Ma- the Matrix was um, one of my first like uh, I guess like 
uh, CD soundtracks that I had. Um, technically, the very first CD I ever owned was Mortal Kombat, the first Mortal Kombat uh, soundtrack. And that kind of was really cool. It had Fear Factory, um, KMFDM, uh, a lot of, a lot of cool. I think it had Megadeth on that first one, pretty sure. Um, so that opened like a ton of doors. And then, um, yeah, Matrix was like kind of another big one. And then, uh, that, you know, other action sci-fi movies of that time. Um, gosh. I mean, Queen of the Damned I, was definitely a new metal movie. Queen of the Damned. Queen of the Damned. Uh, yeah, definitely. That may be the most new metal movie of all time since like Jonathan Davis vocals are like in those songs. Um, yep. I, yeah, and there's like Static X and Soundtrack, you know, a bunch of stuff. Um, man, that's a good one. I remember seeing that in the theater. That, was a, that and uh, Ghost Ship was a pretty new metal movie. Wow, yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about that. I, I had thought about it. I, I think I had rewatched it like last year or sometime. Um, but yeah, no, that's a great one. Yeah, Mudvayne being, or Mudvayne Song being in that one. Exactly. That was uh, that was one of my first real Mudvayne experiences. Was that movie coming out and like me hearing that new song for the first time? And yeah. Like, oh, yep. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> being new at playing guitar and like gingerly tuning down to drop C. Right. Yeah. Cr- crazy uh, bass lines. As people now re- oh. revisionists saying, you know, Seinfeld bass lines in new metal. <laughs> I mean, Justin Martin. Yeah, he. He, he definitely, they let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. They did that. Yeah. It, it's, and it's funky. Like, it's cool that it, it, their dynamic, that it worked out like that. Cause like, you know, the guitars aren't necessarily technical, but the bass is, and, and uh, I would say even the drumming. So just like the, the, the low end, the foundation is like kind of tech, much more technical than all of new metal. Um, but the guitars are still like accessible. So like they had a cool formula for, for, for the, um, early sound, especially. Peoria, Illinois's finest. That's right, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I always remember. I remember being very proud of them being from Illinois, but uh, I don't really like Peoria all that much. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, gosh. Uh, so, at, at this point, I feel like I've asked. Have I asked about every single project of yours, Gary? I feel like you have. Are there any I've um, missed? Um, oh, uh, Salamoth. It's kind of a big uh, period. Salamoth. Of, uh, I even did vocals for Salamoth that one time. You did. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was a, a really cool sci-fi oriented um, uh, death metal project. You know, I had from, I think it was 2016. Um, and I ended it early earlier last year, uh, 20, mm-hmm. January of 2022. Um and I think I could have done more with it, but I felt like creatively, I, I sort of hit a stopping point and I was like, you know, I'm not going to force myself necessarily to continue it. So, and at that time, you know, I was doing, um, home skin or just the very early stages of it. And so I was, you know, my tastes were just shifting and I, I didn't want to force something out of Salamoth, but, um, you know, for, for those unfamiliar, um, that whole project was like, a almost like a fan fiction of magic, the gathering lore, but with my own creations, like of creatures and like, uh, obviously like moth alien beings, um, like ones that were like mystical ones that were like chaotic and evil. Um, and like 
sort of this uh, nature versus technology uh, sub-theme of that whole project um, with a Magic the Gathering uh, filter put over it. Um, a lot of the songs from that from that project were straight up just Magic the Gathering card titles, um, sometimes just like completely, or like mixed with others. Um, yeah, that was a, a really fun project. Um, I, I, and I guess on that note, I would say I'm not done with death metal. I'll, I'll definitely revisit it at some point. I uh, just don't know when. Yeah, no, Salamoth was really fun. Uh, I, I really, 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 really liked that last album quite a bit, too. I mean, granted, I'm on it. Thanks. So I kind of feel a little proud of it. But <laughs> yeah, no, no, great complimentary piece to it. Because, like, I was just looking, I was looking for an extra texture that uh, I couldn't necessarily do myself. And I was like, John's vocals, like, I, I could hear it in my head. Um, like, as I was, like, mixing it, I was like, ah, man, that, that would be the, the final layer to, to add. Well, it's nice because, like, to use a Magic the Gathering term, that project really had trampled to it. It, uh, it, it there you really go. Hit you right here. <laughs> I'm hitting yeah. myself in the chest. That that hey that that was the vibe that I uh, uh, really wanted to go for. Yeah, and, and what's funny is the the project was kind of born also out of spontaneity, uh, like Homescan, but but in a different way. Um, I was like kind of fiddling around with a um, an HM2 clone. Uh, guitar pedal um, on, on guitar and I was just like playing some riffs and my friend uh, Zach he was like you should record that you should like record something and I was like hmm, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I will and I was just like recording stuff and it turned into Salamoth it turned into a project and then like the gears started going like hmm what is, what is this even going to be about though because I need like lyrics and, and a theme and at that time I was getting super deep into magic um, so that was like my, uh, vehicle or launching pad of like, Hmm, okay. I don't want to necessarily write about magic, the gathering lore, like pre-existing lore. I want to sort of make my own version of it. Um, so, you know, like basically a fan fiction within the magic, the gathering, uh, multiverse. I mean, that's awesome. That, that really touched onto an early love of mine. I loved magic, the gathering in middle school and high school. I think yeah, yeah, you're more fun. of an old school player of it. I was around during the Urza times. Yeah, man, I wish I was. I, I knew about it, but I did not play the game um, until uh, 2016. So, so essentially, like the start of Salomon. Yeah, I wish I played okay. it back in the day. Yeah, I was always really bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I had nice cards though. Hey, did you have fun? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. No, it. I, I love the I still love the game today. I, I don't play as much as I uh, did. I got like super ultra competitive with it, like playing out in big tourneys. Um, but now, you know, post COVID, uh, things died down on that front uh, for uh, for a lot of people. Um, obviously, they still do tournaments and stuff. But I, I sort of shifted priorities, uh, obviously, to music or more into music. You know, who's a big Magic the Gathering fan? is uh, John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats. Yes. Oh, man. I love every time that I see him post about magic uh, on Twitter. Um, and it's super fun to see that. I, I that Yeah, he's a treasure for sure. He is. He's great. You need to play a game with him. I think that'd be really fun. Oh, that would be a dream. I would, yeah, I would love that. Also, um, uh, uh, Chris Pecula, um, uh 
on on he's sort of kind of known on, uh, on Twitter meddling mage yeah who, yeah. who has oh, a yeah, card yeah, yeah. named after him meddling mage um uh i'm actually in his discord server I, I don't talk that much in there but we you know we acknowledge we know who or he knows who i am and i uh, obviously know who he is but he's a uh, uh, really cool guy it's awesome to see him post about about metal cuz like he's more known maybe globally as a magic guy just cuz he has a card after him and I didn't know that he was like super into metal, like until I got on Twitter. Like I knew who he was, but I didn't know he was like super into metal as, as much as he was or is. So it's awesome to see like that another crossover, metal and magic. I mean, there's there's always been crossover between like the uh, yeah the 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 nerdier population getting into metal. I, right. I remember going to tournaments and everyone talking about Dream Theater, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. There's always been a link there, like f- fantasy stuff, D and D or D and D esque stuff, uh, crossing mm. over with metal. Uh, that was how I found out about a lot of bands was going to magic tournaments back in high school. That's amazing. I, oh man, I love that. Gosh, I yeah. See, if I were into it back then, I'm sure uh, I would have come across a lot of um, stuff that I may not have, you know, until later. Yeah. No, it's it, it's fun the way you discover things. Like just going back to like like blogs and and word of mouth yeah. and social media. It, it all kind of right. it, it all revolves around us. It revolves around our taste. We find new things. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of like um, a snowball effect. Like especially social media, you know, things can gain traction, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, what is this? This cool new thing, or, or this cool old thing that I that people have somehow never heard and disco- rediscovered or something. Yeah. yeah. Reissues are a treasure always. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, gosh, with Sal and Loth, does that cover everything? Uh, did we cover everything that you've created? I, wow, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure. Um, trying to think, circling back in time. Because um, like, I brought up Parabstruce and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I think that you did. I can't think of anything that's missing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> we wild. We spent ninety minutes talking about everything. <laughs> oh man, that, man, that's that's pretty crazy to to yeah. In retrospect, uh, just touch on everything like that. Uh, Gary, I just, had a, I, I just had a quick question, Gary. Like, speaking of like all the bands and John, you know, has been on you know however many releases, but like, can you kind of give us uh, like how you're collaborative with all these different folks? Like, Gone Mage, you had 44 guests, and Memorage, yes. it looks like you've got so many guests lined up. Like, I guess right. to get to kind of like a, a one question, like, is there ever been a cha- time where you've been like regretting like this person's a flake or why did I involve them? Or mm. has it always been like nice and organic and fluid and just like, because just the, the whole logistic nature of it just seems like it could be a headache akin to being in a band. So uh, I just kind of right. wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I will, I will say at times yes logistically it it is a headache uh but i guess uh i'm i'm aware that it's it will probably be a headache that i'm willing to accept um for for the sake of music um or for the sake of chance you know you know obviously some people will say no or not respond at all um but you know when it gets to the stage of like yes i would you know 
I'd love to collab or, or, or have a spot on, on your album or release. Um, you know, there, there is a fair chance of logistical, uh, kind of hurdles. Um, but overall, I don't, I would not say that I've regretted, uh, any, you know, collaborations or anything like that. Um, I guess I will also say I, I sometimes am a little impatient uh, in recent years, only because I've put myself on this, like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to, like, I have, like, a kind of outline in my mind. So sometimes, I like, I'm not mad at anyone that I've collab- collaborated with, but it's like, I feel like I'm, I might be going maybe a little too fast for, for everyone else's speed, which is, you know, something I'm uh, trying to hone in on. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, I love collaborating with like so many different uh, musicians. Um, and yeah, like you said, with um, with Gone Mage, um, uh, another shout out to John for for being able to, uh, I guess, like uh, manifest uh, getting Marai from from Psy on on uh, one of the songs of that album. Uh, he does lead vocals um, on a song with, with like many other guest vocalists, a lot of a lot of guests on that song. Um, but John kind of put me in touch to, to get to the right channels to contact Mariah. And that was um, pretty funny because Mariah was like uh, very direct in our uh, communication. So I would I sent him like a, a long story and paragraph of what Gone Mage is and about what the album's about. And then the prompt of uh, the song. He's like, I mean, uh, you know, not verbatim, but basically he was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, send him the stuff. And then a couple of months later, he just, you know, sends his uh, uh, vocal file. Uh, so that's a, uh, a cool spot in my discography to, to think back on, you know, years from now. When, uh, you also had Trevor on that album, right? Oh man! So I did not get him on that album. I was, oh, um, no, I, I, yeah, I wanted we we wanted to. Um, I, I, you know, uh, obviously wish that it could have happened. Um, he he is in the credits in terms of me dedicating that album to him. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, in 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 wake of him not being on it. Yeah, no, uh, we're talking about Trevor Sternad, our dearly departed yeah. friend. Yeah, um, yeah. Miss you and love you always. We love you, Trevor. Ah, oh, man. Too many people gone. You know, talk about Brandon and, and Trevor. I know. Just... Getting old sucks. Sad. It, yes, it does. It does. Try, trying to hold on to uh, uh, childhood, I guess, <laughs> with all this nostalgia that I, I kind of put mm-hmm. myself in. Um, yeah. Well, guys, it's been a treat. It's been really yeah. wonderful talking with you, Gary. And uh, thank you, Justin, for joining yeah. us today. I kind of wanted to throw the ball into your court, Gary. Uh, if there's anything you want to hype, anything that's coming up, now's your chance. Yeah. Um, so kind of, yeah, just the aforementioned albums. Um, for, for sure, you know, Perfume, Saturnine Angels, um, that's coming out hopefully in May, uh, you know, this summer at least on Zegama Beach Records. And then, of course, Memorage. Uh, my, my first new metal album um, uh, that's coming out in the summer on Big Money Cybergrind. Um, no date yet, but probably June or July. Um, and with all that said, you can find any of my music um, on Bandcamp. I've made kind of a master Bandcamp page last year. Um, I'll spell it out. L-I-L-A-N-G. 
isla.bandcamp.com. And this is sort of like a quote-unquote label page. It's not a label, but it, it, it behaves that way, sort of, or presented that way, where it has all of my albums through all of my various projects, or at least like 95% of them. Like some, some of the stuff I've been involved with in the past isn't on there, but most of it is. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, you have been listening to the Invisible Oranges podcast. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Screaming Bloody Oranges, the Invisible Oranges podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and other streaming services. We'll make a post on our website at www.invisibleoranges.com to accompany the release of each episode. Visit us anytime for more in-depth heavy metal coverage that goes a step above and beyond. (laughs) 